Welcome to Passion Life Church. And you may be seated in the house of the Lord. Welcome. Anybody getting ready for some turkey already? And uh, I said that and then somebody looked at their husband. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, we're ham people at my house. We, 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 we love, we love ham. And so, man, Thanksgiving is, is coming. And listen, I just want you to mark on your calendars. We are having service, uh, Thanksgiving Day weekend. And I think it's appropriate that we come into God's house and just give thanks together. Can I hear a good amen today? And so just make plans. We, we will do that. Today we are concluding this series that we have called Built to Last. And, uh, we've been focusing on an attribute of God that not really a lot of people talk about, and that is that God is a builder. How many of you believe that God is a builder? And uh, those characteristics are in you and I as his children. Because you are his child, guess what? We are builders. Come on, say that with me. Say, I am a builder. And so God, when he builds, he doesn't build for temporary. He, whatever he builds, it always lasts. And I'm going to tell you, as we talked about in the beginning of this series, he builds to last because when he builds, he builds on purpose and with a purpose, always. And God always builds according to plan. I want you to say this with me. Say, God has a plan. Come on, put it in the chat today. God has a plan. No matter what we're facing, God has a plan. And God always has a plan, actually, before he builds. It's very strategic. And we serve a strategic God. And today, as we close out this series, I want to talk about building a godly family. Building a godly family. Let me ask you this. How many of you just love your family? How many of you love family? I think that's one of the things we love about about the holidays is family. How many of you have some weird family? Come on, let me see your hand. Let me see your hands. All right, now, I'm going to ask that again, because if you don't raise your hand, that makes me think you're the weird one in the family. Let me ask again, how many of you have some weird people in your family? Come on, somebody. We all have that weird Uncle Tony or, or, or somebody, right? But I wonder how many of us today, and I'm not asking for a show of hands on this, but you would really, you would answer this question this way. How, did you like the way that you were, or did you like the home that you were raised in? And I don't want you to, to answer that by raising your hand, but I just want you to think about it. Did you like the home that you were raised in? And many people that I would talk to in counseling sessions would say, you know what, I, I, I don't like, and I didn't like the home that I was raised in. And the reason is they didn't like the tension. They didn't like the anger. They didn't like the violence. They didn't like the contention and maybe you know, the strife. But let me ask you this question. And here's the second question. If you didn't like the home that you grew up in, are you recreating that same environment in your home today? And that's, that's a really interesting question because that actually goes on every day that homes that we don't like that we're living in. And then we become parents and then the cycle continues in our homes. And how many of you know that through our relationship with God and the Holy spirit, bad cycles of families can be broken with us. Can I hear a good amen today? Say with, say this with me, say it stops here. It stops right here. Now, here's the great news. The reality is happy families do exist. Happy families do exist. But here's the thing. We have to build families. 
We have to build families. Can I hear a good amen? And the families that we have are the families that we build. I can wait for you. I know we don't have some coffee right now in the lobby, but I can wait for you. How many of you know that the families that we have are the families that we build? Can I hear a good amen? And so the reality of it is, is that what God does when he builds families, he builds generationally. God often said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so what God does is he looks to you, but he doesn't look just to you. He looks through you because not only does he want you to be a builder, but he wants to build through you a family that will last for generations. Man, to me, that is such great great news. Now, if you look at the definition of family, I want to ask guys, we're in church. Thanks. So here's the reality is that when God builds, he builds generationally. And so when God builds, he sees, he doesn't just see to you. He sees through you. Would somebody come and just help me and sit with these young ladies? Val, would you do that? Would you just come help and just sit over here with me? Thank you. Or just maybe walk them back to their, their, their parents. Val, you can come this way. Come right here. You're beautiful. Everybody needs to see you. All right. Maybe ask them if they want to go with, with, with their dad or something. All right. I apologize. We have kids in here. We love kids. Can I hear a good amen today? And so we want to open up our kids as, as soon as possible. But family in the Webster's definition is a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. Now, I want to tell you something. Family is God's creation. And when family is good, it is good. Can I hear a good amen? But when family is bad, it is bad. (laughs) It is bad. But when God orchestrated the family. There's really two kinds of family. There is family that is your blood, but then there's also spirit family. That's us as the church. The church is also called a family. But here's the thing, even us as spirit family, did you know that we are blood family too? You know why we are blood family too? Because the blood of Jesus makes us brothers and sisters because we both come from that blood. And I've always wanted to be related to Inez. And so Inez is my sister through the blood of Jesus Christ. And all my sisters up here singing, I've always wanted to be their brothers. And I'm a brother from another, from another father it would be actually, because he sent his son. And we are related through the blood of Jesus. And my church family, to be honest, there's only one color and the color is red. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we are, are covered with. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause today. But did you know that not not only did God create family, family is actually a priority to God. God established the family actually before he established any government. Family was established before government. And I think that there's a purpose and a power of family that we have not yet recognized. And why is family so important to God? Well, the family is God's ideal institution. Listen, I I think this is so important. God's intent in the family is to be the cure-all for society's ills. You know, I believe the family can help 
cure social ills, emotional, psychologically, even spiritual. The, the family is supposed to heal all that. Man, when the family is working well, it can have healing power. It can have a healing element. And that's why when we look at society today, my church family, and you see how sick society is, why is society so sick socially, right? Uh, psychologically, emotionally, why is society so sick? You know why? Because we're seeing the breakdown of the family. We're seeing the breakdown of the family. And so the family, what the family is supposed to heal, the family is actually breaking down. And so the solution to a lot of problems in society is not building more jails. The solution to society's problems is having better families. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? So we've got to be builders. We've got to build families. And so the family is actually the key to a stable society. Because I want you to think about this for just a moment. If you put a number of families together, what do you have? You have a community. And then when you put communities together, guess what you have? You have a country, right? So watch this. The country is only as healthy as the family. The society is only as stable as the family. My church family, the family is the fundamental unit for reproduction and development for the future of the nation. That's what God had intended. And so the family is the prototype of society. You want to know where our society is going? Look at what's happening in the family. Because in truth, what's happening now is they're trying to redefine family. And if we can redefine family, then we can redefine a whole society. If we can redefine a society, then we can redefine a whole country. Come on, somebody. Right? And so here's what happens. If the family is dissolved, guess what happens? You dissolve the state. So God's intention was don't tamper with the family. I created the family first before I created the state. But here's the reality is the state is trying to tamper with the family. And so when you tamper with the family, you're actually tampering with the whole country. Are you here this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So God made family actually before he made the state. And so the family is what produces the state, not the other way around. Can I hear a good amen today? So now we have states trying to dissolve the family unit. And the state, listen, as the state, in some states, not all states, they don't want you as the parent to teach your child. The state wants to teach the child what the state wants to teach the child. That's not how God created it. God created it for the family as parents for us to teach our kids a godly way so we can have a godly generation, so we can have godly communities and a godly country. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? God never intended for the state to be the parent. God intended for you to be the parent. And so the family is the first form of society that God put on the earth. So watch this. Society is only as strong as the family. Man, this is powerful. So here's what I have to do. If I'm going to build a better society, then what do I have to build? A better what? A better family. 
Because a better family actually means this. It actually means a better society. Why do you say that, Pastor Phil? Because I meet a lot of people who complain about society. I meet a lot of people who want the world to be better. And they say, what can I do? Well, here's what you can do. Mom, dad, teenager, we can build better families. And if we'll build better families, we can build a better society and we can change our country. Can I hear a good amen today? Do we have any builders in the house? This is why, here's what we have to do. We have to accept the fact that I'm going to build. Here's what I have to do as as a dad, is I have to accept the fact that I'm going to be a builder and I'm going to build my family. That's my contribution to a good society. It starts right at home. Starts right at home. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. I think today is going to really bless you. Have you learned something so far? So our family, what we do in this family, it contributes to society, what we do or what we don't do. Look at what Ephesians chapter six, verse one says. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord as his representative. For this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. And all the parents said... Verse three, that all may be well with you. Listen to these promises, that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and admonition and the counsel and the admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to those who you are, who are your physical masters and having respect for them, even eager, concerned to please them in singleness of motive and with all your heart as service to himself. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land and the Lord, your God, that your Lord, your God is giving you. Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be and go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So if I'm going to build a godly family, a family that lasts, it has to be built on the foundation of honor. I want to talk about honor today. You know, the word honor, I looked in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament is looked at, is written at, and I looked in the Greek, and I kind of combined this definition. Look at what honor means. Honor means giving weight to. You, whatever you're giving weight to is what you honor. Giving weight to, to be heavy, highly respect, value. When you honor something, you're giving it value. To estimate, to fix the value, to reveal I love this one to prize whatever you honor, you are saying, this is my prize. And can I just boil it down to this definition? Honor is when it comes to people, the biblical honor is putting heaven's value on someone. Let me say that again. Honor, true biblical honor is really putting heaven's value on it. You know, when I was reading these scriptures, Ephesians chapter six, verse one, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 16, this word honor kept speaking to me. God, I feel like was just highlighting this word honor. Everybody say that with me, say honor. Because as I was thinking about this, here's what I thought about. We're living in a time, right? That it is popular not to show honor. 
We are living in a time where it's popular to show disrespect and a lack of honor, right? And it's not just people speaking to each other. You are seeing whole neighborhoods being torn apart, businesses being torn apart. Why? Because of a lack of honor. We don't even honor that. And so we have now, even now, lives are being lost due to a lack of honor. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says when it comes to honor, that the quality of our lives is actually linked to the level of our honor. There are so many blessings to this word honor. The Bible says that it will be well with you. The Bible says that when you honor that you will have a long life. So the level of my life or the quality of my life is linked to my level of honor. Are you hearing that this morning today? And so watch, the Bible says that when I honor, it will be well with me. It says it will be well with you. Watch this. It doesn't say that it will be well with them. Although I do believe when you show honor in relationships, right, it honors God and relationships last when it is built on honor. But I want you to understand this principle. It says that when I honor, it will be well with you. It doesn't say it's going to be well with them. Why do I say that? Because oftentimes we all, we start to think about reasons why we can't honor somebody. I think now, even in, in this today's day, we're all, all, often thinking about, you know, well, why should I honor them? Instead of just saying, hey, I need to honor. We have all of these reasons that we start to think about why we shouldn't honor somebody. But here's the reality. It'll be well with you when you honor. It doesn't... We're so focused on them. The Bible doesn't say it's going to be well with them. The Bible says it's going to be well with you. The reward comes to you whether they deserve the honor or not. Can you hear what I'm saying this morning? And so oftentimes we're so focused on them that we miss out on the blessing and the reward that God has for us. My church family, when you honor, it affects your life more than it affects their life. It affects you more. And I say that because I think we, we really ask ourselves a lot. Well, is this person deserving of honor? Is this person, des- can I ask you a question? Are you deserving of honor? If I were to make a list today of your sins and put it on this beautiful LED screen, right? Of your sins and put them up there. Would we say that you are deserving of honor, right? But here's the great news about our God. God is all about honor. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So God looked at the world. How many of you know the world is wicked? He looked at the wicked world and he saw the sin. But watch this. He saw people. He saw through their sin to the person. He saw you and I, and he saw that we needed a savior. So you know what? We did not deserve his only begotten son. Jesus was perfect. But here's the great news is Jesus came even when we didn't deserve it and died on the cross because watch this. He valued the person, not just what they did. He, he, he valued the people. He honored the person. And he says, I love them. And so I'm going to give my life for them on the cross. And he died. So you and I can be saved. Can I hear a good amen today? 
So he saw through the sin to the person. God valued the people, right? And so this is what I'm saying. When you have heaven's perspective on someone, you honored them. Because when you do that, it changes their perception. It changes the perspective. And so today what I want to do, I want us to realize how God wants us to honor and the the rewards that are attached to it. Ephesians chapter 6 verse Six helps us to understand that God wants to, uh, us to honor three ways. God wants us to honor up. God wants us to honor down. God wants to honor us all. God wants us to honor all around. Let, let me say that. Let's say that together. God wants us to honor up. God wants us to honor down. God wants us to honor all around. One more time. Come on. God wants us to honor. God wants us to honor. God wants us to honor. One more time, as as loud as you can. God wants us to honor. He wants us to honor. He wants us to honor all around, all around, honoring all the time. Ephesians chapter six, verse one. It starts with number one, honoring up. In Ephesians chapter six, verse five, actually, it says the context is doing all of this, honoring your parents, honoring the people around you, in the context of honoring God, Ephesians chapter six, verse five, having respect for them and eager and eager concern to please them. Watch this in singleness of motive with all your heart. So this is not just like a, a lip service honor. This is an honor that comes from your heart. He says, as service to Christ himself, the amplified classic says, so I'm supposed to honor you as I honor God. So first, here's what I have to do. I have to honor up. I have to honor him. Now, today I'm talking to fathers. I'm talking to mothers. I'm talking to grandparents. I'm talking to children, right? And the first thing all of us have to do is we all have to honor up. Now watch this. When we are God honoring in our home, his presence is there. And when his presence is there, his presence brings peace. Now, a lot of homes that you are in today don't have peace. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of arguing. And I will tell you this, you will never have peace when you don't have honor. I want to say that again. You're not going to have peace when you don't have honor because his very presence, right? His very presence brings peace. So honor accesses God. Honor will access his presence. Now watch this. Dishonor rejects his presence. Dishonor will not only reject his presence, but dishonor will limit your life. The Bible says it will be well with you when you honor. So when I don't honor, not only am I disrespecting the presence of God, right? And I'm not accessing the presence of God. But the truth is, is that I'm going to limit my own life. Watch this. Jesus went to Capernaum. And the Bible says when he went to Capernaum, when Jesus was on the earth, he healed every single person. He healed every single person. But then when he walked into his own hometown, Nazareth, The Bible says that he could not do many mighty miracles. Look at this, Matthew chapter 13, verse 57 and 58. It says, and they took offense to him. Now, this is Jesus. He had been preaching in the synagogues. He had been healing people. And it says, and they took offense to him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without, what is that word? Come on, say it loud. Is not without what? Except in his own hometown. 
right? Verse 58, and he did not do many mighty miracles because of their lack of faith. This blew me away because Jesus is not doing miracles because of two things, honor and faith. You will never have faith for what you dishonor. If you don't honor God, you won't have faith. And the Bible says that there were people who actually got miracles and then there was other people who got nothing. And it wasn't because Jesus couldn't heal. His power was available. But here's what happened. Because of their lack of honor, they didn't access that power. And so it resulted in a lack of faith. My church family, this definition of dishonor really challenged me because dishonor actually means to disrespect, devalue, but watch this, to make common, to make common. So they looked at Jesus and they said, hmm, isn't that Joseph's son? Man, he grew up with us. Man, I went to kindergarten with Jesus. Come on. I mean, we played on the monkey bars. We both drank Capri Sun. This is the, just Jesus doing miracles? This is Jesus speaking in the synagogue with power? No. And so here's what they do. They, they looked at the son of God and they reduced him to being common. They didn't honor him because familiarity set in. And so they thought they knew him well enough to know that he just couldn't be who he claimed to be. My church family, I want to submit something to you. And if you're watching today online, if you're not seeing miracles in your life today, maybe it's because you have reduced the son of God, Jesus, to being common in your life. We don't come to church because it's common. The God of the universe, miracle working power, we have just allowed to become common. Come on, somebody. And so we live in a time where people have just made God common, right? So we've made God common. A lot of times it's because somewhere along the line, we have stopped knowing him. They thought they knew him. That's Joseph's son. That's the carpenter. And they reduced Jesus to being common. In other words, what they did, they didn't value it anymore. But the ones who did got miracles. My church family, we can never come to a place in our lives where we reduce Jesus to being common. Some people in the Bible called him, oh, he was just that teacher. Now he's more than a teacher. He's the son of the living God. Can I hear a good amen today? And what I see a lot of times, and it can happen to all of us. One of the decisions that I've made in my life is to always live in awe of God. Always, never allow him to become common in my life. And I want to tell you, after 30 years of being in the church, it's real easy for God to become common. It's real easy to allow myself to just go, man, this is another service. Man, this is this. Oh, man, it's just another worship service. But I have made a decision to make sure that I keep in awe of who he is. You know, one of the ways I do that is through gratitude. All the time, just reminding myself of how good he's been to me when I didn't deserve it. And he gave me his grace. I remind myself when I needed miracles, he was there and he gave me miracles. And something always begins to stir up in me to remind myself that I do not serve a common God. How many of you would say today, you do not serve a God who's common? (laughs) 
So when we dishonor God, what happens is we don't believe that he is who he says he is. That's dishonor. And that's what these people did in Nazareth. That's why Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor in his own town. You know, and then the scripture in Ephesians talks about children honoring up, honoring their father and their mother. Now listen, if you're a child in here today, if you're a teenager in here today, you're watching online and you're a teenager, can I just encourage you? I want to just talk to you about your parents here for just a minute. Your parents are big children. Come on, where's all the parents? I know you never thought that your, your mom or dad was a child once. Yes, your mom and dad at some point in their life had fun. Come on. At some point in their life, they used to laugh. They used to have a lot of fun, right? They were a kid, and then they grew up, and they matured. Not all parents didn't grow up and mature, but some do. Some still act like kids. Come on, somebody. But, right, others got up, and they took the responsibility, and God blessed their life with you. And so here you are. And why do you say that, Pastor Phil? I say that because give your parents a little bit of grace sometimes. They're doing the best that they can with what they got. And let me just remind you something. Uh, If you're living at home, you're a teenager, you're a child, you are part of this family too. And what you do matters in this family. You can't expect to live like hell and have heaven in your home. It's not all your parents' fault. You are involved in this. But here's the reality. Parents, we are to treat, we are to teach and train. That's actually the two words that the Bible uses when it talks about parenting. Teaching and training. Teaching and training. And as a family, parents, now you are the leader. And here's what leaders mean. Leadership means you go first. And it is up to us as parents to teach our kids to honor up, honor God. It's the one thing that I have to teach my son above everything else, above math, above algebra, above chemistry, above language arts, is I have to teach him to honor God. Because there's going to be a time when mom and dad are not going to be around and he's going to be in situations that he's going to think that there is no hope or help. But if I can teach him to honor God and connect to his presence, guess what? He's going to succeed and he's going to see miracles in his life. It's important that we treat and we teach our kid to honor God. And here's the reality. True honor always translates into obedience. True honor. And young person, child, teenager, listen, if there's one thing I could tell you is God wants you to learn honor in your house right now. Because I'll tell you, here's the reality. If you can't learn to honor God right now, then you're not going to honor your parents. Watch this. And if you can't learn how to honor your parents, you are not going to learn how to honor your future boss. If you can't learn how to honor your future boss, listen, if you can't learn how to honor God, honor your parents, honor your future God, uh, your future boss, listen, then you won't be able to honor your future wife or husband. Someone somewhere is always going to tell you what to do. I'm waiting. I had somebody tell me what's time. Well, I'll just have my own business. Nobody. Yeah, your customers will tell you what to do. 
right? And so here's the key. Listen, I, I want every, every child, every teenager, if you don't learn honor, it will not be well with you. This is the Bible principle. But if you will learn honor, it's an incredible promise. The Bible says not only will it be well with you, but you will live a long life on the earth. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand that honoring your parents, they're not perfect, but you got to honor them unto God. And here's what we need to learn about honor today is we have to look at honor as we're spreading seeds because the truth is honor is the seed for longevity of life. I'm planting seeds of honor, not maybe because I want you to live long, but I want to live long, right? Like Spock said, live long and prosper. I want to live long on the earth, but here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to need to honor. So we as a family, first, we've all got to learn to honor up. Parents, let me just tell you the secret sauce. Are you ready? If you will teach your kids to honor God and honor up, they will honor you. I'm glad you parents are clapping because now I'm coming for you. I came for your kid because this is what the Bible says. Every child, right? Every child knows the second verse. Every parent knows the first, honor your, honor your mother father. But the second verse, are you ready? Here's number two. We have to honor down. The context is parents and their children. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers do not irritate and provoke your child to anger. Every parent just kind of forgets this scripture. Fathers do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Parents, can I just encourage you? We can make it easy for our kids to honor God when we live an honorable life. We lead by examples and example leadership go First, now, listen, parents, I want to encourage you because I'm a parent. Don't be the parent that has to demand honor from your children because you're living a life of dishonor. Hide your toes because I'm coming for them. Don't be the parent that has to demand honor from your child and it makes them And it makes it tough for them to honor God because you as a parent, the leader, are living a dishonorable life. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit tougher as I talk about this because I'm talking to parents. Before I was talking to kids, but I've worked almost 22 years in youth ministry. And here's what I have found with a lot of the youth. It wasn't the the youth weren't the problem. It was the environment of the home that they had to go back to where they would come to youth ministry and they would be strong and they went back into an environment that was dishonoring. And it was hard for them, a lot of frustration. And my heart went out to this one girl. Man, I've done so many, I was thinking how many people I've probably counseled in 30 years of, of ministry. But this father came in and he brought his young girl and she was about 15 years old, beautiful young girl. And he was sitting there. And, and so he said, hey, listen, um, my, 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 my daughter is not respecting me. She's not honoring me. He said, and um, I'm finding all these text messages from boys. And he says, he won't li- she won't listen to me. I'm concerned about her life and her romantic life. And so here's what I do. Listen, I'm not a counselor. I know my name is Phil, but it's not Dr. Phil. Come on, somebody. It's just Pastor Phil. I'm not a professional counsel. Here's what I can do is I can give you the counsel of the word of God. 
Let me tell you a little secret sauce. Most people that I counsel are people that are not coming to church. Why? Because when you come to church and watching online, you are now sitting under the counsel of the word of God. Many people are getting answers as we talk so they don't have to go through a counseling session. Listen, I'm not opposed to counseling session. I've talked to counselors myself. I think it's good. But what I have found is when you sit under the counsel of the Holy Spirit, even right now, he can do a work. Can I hear a good amen today? Yeah. It's the counsel of the word of God. It matters. Your presence matters here. And so I'm not a professional counselor, but here's what I know. When I go to the doctor, they always ask me about my history. So I always do that. Sit down. All right, sir. I understand here. You know, the girl's just sitting there. She's just kind of downcast. And I said, tell me a little bit about your house. Uh, where's the, your mom? Where's your wife? Are you home? Mary? No, we're divorced. Okay. Um, so who lives in the house? The father says, well, it's me and my girlfriend. Oh, I said, oh, okay, so you, you live with your girlfriend. Okay, and um, who else? Oh, it's just me, okay. So I said, uh, would you mind if I talked with you, sir, by yourself without your, your daughter? He said, sure, because I didn't want to dishonor a man in front of his child. And so the girl walks out. And I said, and this was so interesting to me. So here is a man in his own life who is not honoring God by living with somebody and not getting married. That's dishonoring to God. I know it's popular and we have words for it, cohabitation. We cohabit. You can cohabit all you want, but it doesn't bring God honor. If you are in a romantic relationship with someone that you are not married with, that you are not married to and you are living together, it doesn't honor God. And I just, I have to tell you in love, the Bible says we can talk truth as long as we do it in love, which is honoring. And here's why I say it, because I want you to live long on the earth and I want you to experience the miracles. And I've talked to many people who are living with another person and they tell me all the same thing. They say, you know, I just don't want to get married yet. And so, you know, okay, so you don't want to get married yet and you don't want to make that commitment, but yet you're making a commitment to live with somebody, but not marry them. That makes total sense. And, you know, statistics say today, because here's, here's, what, here's the, the vernacular that they use. Well, you know, kind of when you go to the store, you have to try on the shoe. I was like, oh, man, that's really good how you're describing your partner as a shoe. That you are trying them on for what, a year, two years, three years, living with them, sucking the best of their life out, and then to decide that you don't want to be with them? And listen, I'm not picking on any person because both consent to do it. And statistics say today that you know who has the higher divorce rate? Not people who didn't live together. People who have a higher divorce rate are the people who lived together before they got married. God's word is true. Come on, somebody. Let me just tell you, ladies, Beyonce, what she said was absolutely true. You need to tell that man if he likes it, he needs to put a ring on it. And you're not living with him until he gets up and stands up and asks you to marry him. Have some value, honor yourself, and say, I'm not getting into this until you are sure. Back to the story. And so I told this man, I said, sir, with all due respect, you're demanding honor from your daughter. And I want to tell you something about honor. Honor is contagious, but so is dishonor. As a man, if you dishonor God, Don't be surprised if it shows up in your children. Don't be surprised because you're living this life. Now it's showing up in her life. 
Listen, parents, we cannot pretend that we do when what we do doesn't matter in our kids. They are watching. And some things are taught, other things are caught. And so, listen, think about this for a moment. He's demanding honor and respect from her that she is not listening to him. And she's having relationships that she shouldn't be having. And he's in a relationship he shouldn't be having. And he wants me to solve it. I'm like, boy, I have to charge you a lot more than what I'm charging. (laughs) And so I had a little talk with him. And we talked about honor. And see, he wants to honor up. He doesn't want to honor up, but he wants somebody to honor up in his life. And my, my church family, can I just encourage you, parents, your kids will honor you if you will honor God. Can I hear better amen than that, please? Come on. And the Bible says, yeah, go ahead. You can give the Lord a good round of applause. Pastor Phil, my kids, they keep frustrating me. Stop having them. Got 14 kids and you're like, I'm, yeah, I know. Listen, parents, the Bible says that children are a blessing of the Lord. They're a heritage of the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. I honor my son, and I'm going to tell you why I honor him. I honor him because I honor up. And I realize that he's not even really my son. He's God's child that God has given to me for a certain period of time to help him, steward him, and show him God. That is my role as the parent. I love him, but at the end of the day, he's only mine for a season. Can I hear a good amen today? So it it inspires me to live a life that's honoring. So because I honor up, I can honor down. Because I honor up, when I make a mistake, you know how hard it is? to apologize to an 11-year-old child? It's hard to apologize, period. But when you and your son, your, your kids know when you mess up because they just look at you. But you know what? Parents that don't forgive have kids that don't forgive. Parents that have anger issues have kids that have anger issues. I wonder why. And so I have to steward this relationship because the Bible says he's a blessing from the Lord, even though sometimes he acts like a booger. And so I have to honor up and train him. But the more I honor up, listen, the more I can honor down. Is this helping somebody today? And so the scripture is dealing with parents and kids, right? And then he says this as I close, we honor all around. The context is actually people that are not your family. Paul was talking about servants and masters. Paul was not condoning slavery, but in this time there was slaves. And he was, can you imagine this, this word coming to you as a slave, right? Because the Romans had slaves and he's saying, I want you to honor your master, but honor is unto the Lord. In other words, don't listen, have heaven's perspective on somebody. Have heaven's perspective on somebody. How you see, I'm going to say this just real quick. There's a story in the Old Testament that so blesses my heart. And I forget if it's in 1 Kings or 2 Kings. And, and please forgive me. Please forgive me. I forget if it was the prophet Elijah or Elisha. Sometimes I get them confused. You are not the only one that gets them confused. But there was a, a servant girl who was in captivity. And she was actually under someone else's care as a captive. His name was Naaman. And Naaman had leprosy. He was an incredible fighter. 
but he had leprosy. And while she was there in Naaman's house as a captive, she saw God's perspective on Naaman, even though he was her master. And she said to him, this little servant girl, we don't even know her name. She said to him, why don't you go see the prophet? Go see the prophet. And again, I think it was Elijah or Elisha. Go see the prophet. You know what? Naaman went to go see the prophet. The prophet Elijah said, or Elijah said, hey, listen, go dip seven times in the river. He dipped seven times in the river and he came out. And the Bible says that the leprosy had left and his skin was as of a child. My church family, he got that from a servant girl in captivity, who even though she was in captivity, she saw heaven's perspective on him and honored his position. And she was able able to give him a word that freed him. Can I hear a good amen today? Because honor can change the situation. So we honor what? Up. We honor down. And we honor what? All around. We honor up God. We honor down. We honor all around. And I want to close with this story today. I could give you tons of reasons why you shouldn't honor somebody, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. In whatever situation you're at, try to get heaven's perspective on that person. How does God see them? When I talk about honoring all around and honoring up, I want to just end with this story. Many of you know my story. Um, I met my, I've never met my real father. My real father um, left when my mom was pregnant. She, he, he had left, never met him. I heard probably this last year and a half that he passed away. So never met him, never, never seen him. But my adopted father, who I call dad, stepped into the picture when I was about, about six months old. And he's the one that I called dad. He adopted me and he took me into his family. And, and so him and my mom got married. It was a, a crazy relationship. If you ever watch I Love Lucy, that's what we lived in. I Love Lucy. He was Hispanic. She was Polish. And I'm just telling you, it was a wild ride. And so eventually my dad got called into the ministry. My dad was my pastor and, uh, and he went through a divorce with my mom. It was, it was tough. It was very public right in front of the church and that it was hard. He came back. We thought the church and everything that was going to be restored. It was not. He came back and then he left again. The divorce was final. It was tough. It was tough on our family. It was tough on our mom. I mean, I think that at some point we were almost on food stamps because we couldn't afford to, to live. That was our life. And I was hurt. I was a teenager. No, actually, probably maybe in my 20s. And I was hurt because I saw how much my mom hurt. It was hurtful. But my church family, I had to make a decision one day. I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor up. I was battling in my own relationship with God because my pastor, the person I honored, wasn't who I thought he was. And what am I going to do? Am I just going to be bitter the rest of my life? Am I going to live as a victim with a chip on my shoulder my whole life and say, the reason why I'm a drug addict, the reason why I'm this way, the reason why I'm that way is because my dad, because of this, because of that. At some point I said, I'm not going to make any more excuses. 
it was even hard for me to pray. I could not even say the word father sometimes and call him God father because I never met my real father and the father that I didn't, that I had, had left. So that even word, that word father was hard for me to even say at times. So I didn't have a good prayer life. God had to do a lot in me. But here's what happens. Everything began to change when I started to open up my heart to God and honor up and honor up. My mom used to always tell us, don't, don't harbor sin. I mean, don't harbor, listen, don't, don't harbor bitterness towards your dad. Love him. What he did to me was he did to me, but listen, forgive, spend time with him. And that was tough. But when I began to honor up and I began to just ask God to help me, I'll never forget. God began to change my heart. He began to work in my life. And what was interesting is that one day I was going to go to church. We weren't even going to the same church and we lived in the same city. And I called my dad and I said, Hey, I'm going to go to church. Do you you want to come with me? And he said, yeah, I'll come. And I did that because I started to see him under heaven's perspective. Later on, I found out that he had a lot going on in his life. His relationship with his father wasn't good. There was a lot of dishonoring there. My church family dishonoring is so contagious, just like honoring is. And I found out he was hurting with a lot of things that he had just never brought to closure in his life. Found that out later. But I made a decision. I'm gonna honor God. God has forgiven me. My sins are not better than his sins. My sins are not wider than his sin. Sin is sin to God. And you know what? God has been so good to me. God had forgiven me. And this is a process. I had to realize God had been so good to me. And he loved me even when I was at my worst. How could I withhold that from somebody who was going through something? And so I asked him, I said, I wanted to just spend some time. I wasn't even thinking about honoring. I was just thinking about, hey, come to church with me. We went to church that day. And I think that was the day that really changed our relationship because we came out after church and I was getting in the car and I looked at him and tears are running down his face. And I honestly, I, I thought, wow, man, I don't know. Maybe this guy's just like the guilt and everything's got. And I said, are you, are you okay? And he says, and I'll never forget these words. He said, today meant so much to me that you would go to church with me today. He said, it just so touched my heart. And I made a choice. Number one, to honor up. Number two, to honor down to all all around. Because at that point, I didn't even, he was my dad, but he was more, (laughs) he was kind of worse than an enemy at that point. But I made a decision, I'm gonna honor all around. And he cried and that decision right there, when I saw heaven's perspective of him, that's when I began to honor him. See, here's what people ask me all the time. Now my dad, my adopted father has gone home to be with the Lord as well. We've had a great relationship. I've always looked in his life for something to honor. I've never met my real dad. People ask me all the time, what would you say if you did meet your real dad? Well, the first thing I would say with honor is thank you because without you, I would not exist. 
Number two, because I honor up, I forgive you. I forgive you. I never got to say those words to him, but the father who adopted me, I'm always thankful that he, even though things were horrible, there was a lot of things that I could find to honor. And one of those things is he adopted me into his, into his life. What I'm saying today, church, as we close, if we're going to build a family that lasts, honor can hold a family together. Honor can bless your family with a legacy that will not only be well with you, the Bible says, but the reward is long life. And I believe that's also a longevity in a family. And I I, want to plead with you today. I'm not just talking about immediate family, but there are some of you that today, as we go into the, the holidays, there's some things about your family that aren't right. And here's what I just want to challenge you is to honor up first and allow God to move into your heart to get heaven's perspective on that person. Now, listen, when I talk about honoring, I'm not saying sometimes I had to put up some boundaries times with people, but it doesn't mean that I just disrespect them. It just means that I'm not gonna allow myself to be abused by a person. It's not what I'm talking about. But I do want you to pray, and we're going to pray today as as we close, that you would honor up God, and you would say, God, show me so it will be well with me, so I will live a long life full of your glory. And I want to tell you this, we can honor in dishonoring times. You know why? Psalms 8 verse 5 says this, God has made you a little lower than the angels, watch this, and crowned them with glory and honor. You, as God's child, are crowned with his glory and his honor. You are blessed with honor, watch this, so you can honor others. And you know what? Not only does it start in the house of God, but it starts in your home. And I want to encourage us, my church family. This is the way we make a difference. This is the way we change a society. Is the family is the prototype for society. We can't expect society to do what we're not willing to do. This is what really got me so intense with this father when I was talking with him and his daughter was he was expecting her to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. And it can't be that way. That's not honorable. And you can be honorable in situations because God has crowned you and I with honor. With honor. Would you stand today as we pray? With honor. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? God has crowned you with honor. 
Maybe you feel like you don't deserve it. And that's what sin does in our life. Makes us feel guilty when we mess up. Makes us feel shame. But because of the blood of Jesus, you and I are now in the family of God. Man, it's powerful. And he has clothed you and crowned you with glory and honor. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? God's bringing back honor in your life. See, shame comes to steal the honor. But yet God clothes your life and crowns you with glory and honor. Come on, would you just put your hands up for just a moment and just receive the honor, the crown that God honors you with. He's putting heaven's value on you. And that's how we honor other people is we put heaven's value and let God change them. Lord, today we thank you for your presence. That in your presence, there's fullness of honor and glory. That's what we were made for. We were made for honor. We were made for your glory today. Lord, we don't want to be the people in Nazareth that we have made you common. You're not common. We want to honor you in this house. We want to honor you when we go home. May you be honored in the households of this city, of this county, of this state, in the United States. May it start here with your people that we are empowered to honor, that we would honor up, honor down, honor all around not just for us, not just for the reward, but so we can bring you glory today. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on. If you receive that today, would you give the Lord a good round of applause? I wanna, I'm going to let you go after. I want to say this and everybody to look at me. Can we allow And can we be intentional? Can we be strategic at Passion Life Church that this would be a house where we honor people? That we honor people. Even if they don't look the way we want them to look, they don't dress the way that we may like or prefer, but that as we come into this door every week and we see each other, we see heaven's value on people. We see heaven's value on people and we honor them. Man, we could change this city. That's what God wants to do is build a church that lasts because honor will hold it together. It's one thing we don't tolerate here at Passion Life Church. I won't tolerate it is dishonor. Honoring or dishonoring each other, team people. That's not gonna be in this house. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen today. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.